You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask Concussion Doc. Today's episode, we're talking all about exercise and how to get back into working out after a concussion. Exercising is not only safe after concussion, but it actually can reduce your likelihood of having long-term symptoms. And if you already have long-standing symptoms, exercise can help you to get rid of them. But you need to do it in the right way. So today I'm going to review all the evidence and exactly how you can get back into exercise if you've had a concussion, if you're wondering how to get back into working out, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to just be able to walk a flight of steps without getting a headache. We're going to talk about all of that and how you can do that. There is a way to do that. There's a few ways to do that, actually. And you can just, if as long as you do it in the right way, you should be able to get there. So we'll talk about exercise progression. And then I'm going to talk about, um, or I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to answer some of the uh, main or common questions that I typically get. And then I'm going to turn it over to our friends over here on Instagram live. And I can already see some people wanting to ask some questions. And so we'll do a little bit of a Q and a at the end. Uh, and depending on time, we'll, we'll keep the podcast rolling too, so that people listening at home can get the benefit of it. All right. So let's dive in. Exercise is safe and effective for people that have persistent symptoms. A lot of times patients with concussion and those with persistent symptoms are told by various healthcare professionals, whether it be their doctor, neurologist, etc., to basically just do nothing and rest. And if you've been listening to this channel for any length of time, you know uh, how much of a BS lie that is. There is a ton of evidence and it's been going on since 2010 to 2012 demonstrating that exercise following concussion is extremely beneficial. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Um, and the, the very first study that came out on this was from the University of Buffalo. They demonstrated that starting a concussion exercise progression had a 77% return to full function with exercise alone versus only 20% of those who didn't do exercise returning to full function after the study period. These are people with symptoms for months to years after their injury and having 77% returning to full function with just doing an exercise program alone. So that was one of the very first studies on this. Since then, it has now propagated through the literature on the persistent symptom side, but also into the um, acute side of things. So I'm just gonna read you some of the results from the persistent side, and then we'll start talking about the acute side. So just to kind of define those things, persistent symptoms is if you've had symptoms for any longer than four weeks. All right, that's persistent symptoms. That definition is kind of changing and fluctuating over time. Some people put that as a little as two weeks. If you've had symptoms for two weeks, that can be considered persistent symptoms. So if you've had symptoms for any longer than two to four weeks, you're in the persistent symptoms category. And then the acute is anything less than that. So right after concussion, how soon can you start doing this type of stuff, okay? 
So let's read out the some of these results here. Baker, 2012, 77% returned to full function with an exercise program versus 20% of those with no exercise. Letty, from the same group, 2013, found improved blood flow on fMRI and the full elimination of symptoms when they did a randomized controlled trial and they compared people who did exercise versus people who did a stretching program. So it actually showed in their fMRI, it was affecting their blood flow. Isabel Gagnon from, uh, in 2015 decreased symptoms, fatigue, sleep issues, depression scores, and increased processing speed in adolescents after a seven-week exercise program. So it can improve your cognitive function. It can improve your brain blood flow. It can do so many other positive things that we will talk about. Gagnon again in 2016, reduction in symptoms over a six-week program in those with persistent symptoms. She deals with pediatrics, so this is in adolescence. Imhoff, 2016, persistent symptoms greater than four weeks. Exercise intervention for seven weeks resulted in symptom severity score drop from 36.9 on average to an average of 4.3. That's almost a full reduction in symptoms with a seven-week exercise program. Are we starting to get the point of how important this is? These are people that already have persistent symptoms starting an exercise program. Randomized control trial by Kurkowski in 2016 comparing placebo stretching. The stretching group had no change in symptoms over four weeks. Exercise group had a significant improvement in symptoms. And this goes on and on and on and on and on. And I'll talk about a recent study that was done in the acute stages. In 2016, a group out of Ottawa uh, led by Anne Gruel, uh, they did a an observational cohort study with a large number of subjects. They had 3,000 adolescents, and they found that engaging in physical activity within the first seven days after injury resulted in significantly less people going on to have persistent symptoms. So now we're talking about prevention. If you actually do physical activity within the first week after your concussion injury, you are far less likely to end up with persistent symptoms. Another study done by Dave Lawrence uh, at the University of Toronto found this. Listen to this quote. For each successive day in the delay to the initiation of aerobic exercise, individuals had a less favorable recovery trajectory. Every single day that they delayed worsened their outcomes. Example, listen to this. And this is faster return to school and faster return to sports in adolescent uh, subjects. Compared to initiating exercise on day one, exercise initiated on day three had a 36% reduced probability of faster return to sport. If you started on day five, you had a 60% reduced probability. And if you started on day seven, you had a 73% reduced probability. And if you started on day 14, it was associated with almost a 90% reduced probability of having a faster recovery and returning to sport. So every day that people delayed in this particular study. Now, the limitation of this particular study is that it was, it was self-selected. So the argument could be made that people that are feeling better are more likely to engage in exercise. And so is it the exercise that actually got them better or is it the fact they were already feeling better to begin with and exercise happened to be something they were interested in and they were gonna get better regardless, right? So a self-selected study like this is problematic for that reason. That's why observational studies are not the best. 
But then we have randomized control trials. So a, one randomized control trial from Letty in 2018 had two groups. They had a group that was just resting. They were instructed to rest, not engage in participation in any physical activity, sports or gym class, but they were told that they could do some cognitive activity. The other group, which had 30 people in it, was an exercise group. They were given an individualized sub-threshold exercise prescription. And we'll talk about sub-threshold exercise prescriptions uh, coming up in this, in this episode. They were uh, based on, it was based on their Buffalo concussion treadmill test performance. They were told to do 80% of their heart rate that they achieved on the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. All athletes were less than 10 days from injury. So they split them in half. They came in, they were assessed. They split them in half randomly. One group was told to rest and do nothing, which is the typical concussion protocol that you get if you're not going to a, a specialized concussion place. And then the other group was told to exercise based on their sub-symptom threshold exercise. So this is within the first 10 days. The total time to recovery in the exercise group was 13 days. The total time to recovery in the rest group was 28 days. It took them twice as long to recover if they weren't exercising. In the exercise group, zero people had delayed recovery. In the rest group, 13% of the subjects went on to have prolonged recovery and still had symptoms beyond 30 days. So you can tell here the difference between these two things. Now, recent study done by the same group, John Letty at the University of Buffalo. I should actually contact him and see if he wants to come on this show. They, this was published in The Lancet, which is a well-known uh, scientific journal, The Lancet Child and Adolescent Health. The title of the article is Early Targeted Heart Rate Aerobic Exercise versus Placebo Stretching for Sports-Related Concussion in Adolescents, a Randomized Controlled Trial. So randomized control trial is better because we're not just letting people do whatever they want. We're actually telling them you're in this group or you're in this group. Randomized control trial, 118 male and female adolescent athletes ages 13 to 18 years old presenting within 10 days of their injury were randomly assigned to one of two groups. Group one was an exercise group. Group two was a placebo group, again, stretching protocol. Both groups did at least 20 minutes per day of their chosen exercise activity. Here's the results. Here's a quote. On survival analysis, controlling for sex, sight, they had multiple sites going, and mean daily exercise time, patients that were assigned to aerobic exercise were more likely to recover within four weeks after injury compared to those assigned to stretching. Exercise reduced the risk of having persistent symptoms, reduced your chances of PCS by 48%. So if you start exercising within the first 10 days after your concussion, if you have a proper protocol, don't just go out and do this. I'm going to teach you how to do it or not necessarily teach you, but give you some options. I don't want to be misconstrued as providing medical advice here, but 50% less chance of having persistent symptoms. That is insane. And what are we still told to do? Rest. Don't do anything. Don't do any activity. Your brain needs to rest. You know, all of that stuff has now been found to be completely uh, the reverse of what you should be doing. Another quote, these results suggest that physicians should not only permit, but consider prescribing early sub-symptom threshold physical activity to adolescents as treatment.
for sports-related concussion and to reduce the risk of persistent post-concussive symptoms. Okay? Why does exercise work? Well, over time, exercise improves cerebral blood flow. It boosts mood and energy levels. It reduces inflammation. It improves your heart rate variability and your autonomic nervous system balance. Your autonomic nervous system is a teeter-totter. After a concussion, we are very much in a sympathetic dominant state. Your sympathetic system is your fight and flight. So you're in this constant state of your nervous system is hyperactive because everything, it's injured. Everything around it, it's sensing danger and fear. So you're in a sympathetically dominant state, which means you have a high resting heart rate, you may have anxiety, you may have difficulty sleeping, you have trouble with digestion, uh, all of these things, sympathetic dominant. Exercise actually works to increase your parasympathetic tone and balance your autonomic nervous system, which means improved digestion, improved blood flow to your brain, uh, reduced uh, resting heart rate, um, better sleep, all of these things. Boom. Exercise. It improves your metabolism. It increases muscle strength and stability, which then also obviously leads to better balance and less risk of falls. Improves your sleep and your circadian rhythm. All right. I see your question coming in and I am going to, uh, I'm going to get to those at the end. Okay. This requires consistent application though. You can't exercise once and expect that this is going to happen. You have to do this on a regular basis. Why does rest not work? Well, rest actually makes you worse. Over time, it impairs cerebral blood flow. Rest makes blood flow to the brain worse. We have found there's been studies that have been done just taking normal, healthy people, normal, healthy, non-concussed people. If we tell them to lie down in bed for as little as 24 to 48 hours, we show that their blood flow to their brain reduces. A normal, healthy person being told to lie in bed and rest and do nothing will start to demonstrate impaired cerebral blood flow within the first 24 to 48 hours. Okay? Now let's take a concussion patient that already has cerebral blood flow impairment and then tell them to rest and do nothing for weeks on end. What's going to happen? Well, it's going to affect you in so many different ways. But these are some of them. Lower your mood and lower your energy levels. People say, oh, I'd love to start exercising, but I just can't. I'm so wiped after my concussion. The reason you're so wiped after your concussion is because you haven't been exercising. You lose energy levels by not exercising. It impairs your heart rate variability. It impairs your autonomic function by resting. A rest reduces your metabolic efficiency. It increases muscle atrophy and it deconditions you and it creates worse balance and it affects your sleep quality. In order to have good quality sleep, you need to burn energy throughout the day. If you are not burning energy and burning through your ATP stores, you will not have enough sleep debt built up to have a nice restful sleep. We're meant to burn energy during the day. We're meant to be moving, hunting, gathering, moving around. That's how our systems have evolved. And if we're not doing that now, we're losing ground. Okay? Now, how do we do it? So I've established that exercise is beneficial, rest is bad. How do you do this? Now, I want to just reiterate, this is not medical advice. I recommend that you find a certified complete concussion management clinic to work with. They've had training on all this. The number one thing you need to do when starting an exercise program 
is you need to establish your threshold. And what do I mean by threshold? Well, your threshold is basically your limit for exercise. Now, the main way that this is established is in the clinic through something called the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test. I already mentioned that the researchers that are behind all of this research for exercise are from the University of Buffalo. They have developed a simple clinical test called the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test. Every single complete concussion management clinic that's out there runs this test on every single patient. Okay? The Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test, what we do, we bring you in, you have symptoms. Let's say you have persistent symptoms, or let's say you've just had your concussion a week ago. We bring you in, you're symptomatic. What we do is we put a heart rate monitor on you, and we put you on a treadmill. Now, it's just a walking test, so people get freaked out, like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. It's a walking test. We put you on a treadmill, and we put it at a very low speed, it's a set speed, put it at a very low speed, and you're walking and you have a heart rate monitor on. And what we're looking for is when do your symptoms start to get worse? So let's say you come in and you have a headache of three and you, you're dizzy of two and you have, you have ratings, okay? You have symptoms. What we're looking to see is if we start you exercising, do your symptoms get worse with physical exertion? If your symptoms do get worse, this means that you have an autonomic issue which is resulting in a cerebral blood flow issue because you're, 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 you're here and then when you start challenging your system, your symptoms get worse. So that indicates that exercise is actually the treatment you need to get rid of it. So if every time you try to exercise, your symptoms get worse, that means that you need to incorporate exercise as part of your treatment but you have to do it in the right way. So treadmill test, what we do, we put a heart rate monitor on you, we start you exercising, and you have no incline, you're walking flat. Every minute, all we do is raise the incline up by a single degree. Every, next minute, we raise it up, we raise it up. By doing that, we're gradually increasing your heart rate over time, just a few beats per minute up. And what we're looking for, every minute we ask, how do you feel now? How do you feel now? How do you feel now? We're looking for a significant increase in your symptoms. If your symptoms have that significant increase, then we say, boom, that's your threshold. So let's say your resting heart rate is 72 beats. We put you on the treadmill. We start ramping up your heart rate. We get you up to 120. And you say, okay, that, that makes my symptoms worse. I feel much dizzier. I have a headache. We say, okay, that is your threshold. So if that's your threshold, 120 beats is your threshold. I don't want you exercising every day at 120 beats because you're just going to keep making yourself uh, feel bad, right? So what I do is I take a percentage of that. So usually 80 to 90% of whatever your threshold is, is where we start you. So if you are able to get up to 120 beats, we say, okay, we don't want you exercising at 120. Let's have you exercise at 80% of 120, which will probably be like, let's say 105 to 110, somewhere in that range. That's, your, that's where your exercise target is. So now you get your own heart rate monitor and you start doing 20 minutes a day at that, that heart rate. Okay, so you're below threshold, you're in a safe zone, you're not gonna make your symptoms worse, we've already tested you, we know where that line is. Here you are, you're exercising at that rate and, uh, and then you come back in a week. After a week, we retest you, now you can get to 135. 
before your symptoms get worse. Take 80% of that. Now you're exercising at 120. That was your threshold, but now it's your exercise target and you're fine. You don't have any increase in symptoms. And then the next week we bring you back in, we do it again. Eventually we're able to get up to your full physical exertion and you have no increase in symptoms. That means that we have balanced your autonomic nervous system and we have improved your cerebral blood flow. That means that exercise is not an issue for you and we can let you go and do whatever type of exercise you want. You wanna to go to the gym and lift weights, go ahead. You wanna ride your bike, go ahead. You wanna start getting back into sports, go ahead. That's the first step. You need to get back into that exercise. You need to be able to tolerate full physical exertion. You don't have to do it right now, but we have to gradually get you up there. Now, if you don't have access to a clinic to be able to run one of these treadmill tests on you, there are other ways to do it. It's more complicated, it takes more time, but you can do it, okay? Now, you need to first calculate your max theoretical heart rate and you have to kind of work back from there and then gradually build up from there. If you want more help and guidance on this and you don't have a clinic near you, we have a program called the Concussion Fix Program. You can check it out. Go to concussiondoc, concussiondoc.io, and you'll see the Concussion Fix Program there. The Concussion Fix Program has a full protocol to teach you how to self-administer an exercise protocol to build yourself up if you don't have access to a clinic, okay? So check that out. It's got a full... Um, a full protocol on how to do this, right? So if you want more guidance on how to do that, that's the way to do it. Now, I'm gonna get into common questions that I get. I see questions coming in from the live and I will get to those as well. Think Some of the questions that I'm gonna answer talking about when can I lift weights, right? If you some people prefer to lift weights, then do cardio. I'm gonna kind of teach you how to progress that, okay? All right, common questions. First one, I don't get symptoms during my exercise, but I get symptoms after I'm done. Or I might even get them the next day. Okay? I feel uh, fine while I'm exercising. I can do whatever. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm done. I'm on my way home and whatever. And then I start to feel dizzy and lightheaded and headache. and Or it's even the next day. Okay? What I say to people here is treat this like a fail. What this generally means is that you have surpassed your threshold. So it means that during the exercise, you actually went beyond your threshold, but you didn't realize it until after. So you always have to be monitoring your heart rate as you're getting into this, okay? So if you don't have a heart rate monitor, you need to get one. You gotta get a heart rate monitor, and you have to be monitoring your heart rate, and you have to kind of find a level. And if you're doing it on your own, you have to be kind of gradually working that up. And like I said, concussion fix if you don't have a, have a clinic or you do the treadmill test and they establish your threshold for you. If you get symptoms after you've exercised, that means that you've gone beyond your threshold. You've got to pull back a bit. That's all that means. So if you do get symptoms after exercise or the next day, treat it like a fail which means you've surpassed your threshold, which means you got to pull back. You went too hard during that particular exercise uh, program. Okay, so next time, drop it down. Do that, do the drop down level for a week or so, and then gradually build back up, okay? So that's how you deal with that one. Next one, can I lift weights? Here's my first question to you. You want to lift weights. Are you able to achieve maximum exertion with steady state cardio with no increase in your symptoms. 
Okay, I'll ask that question again. Are you able to achieve maximum steady state cardio with no symptoms? If the answer is yes, then you can start uh, getting into weight training. If you're not able to get the full physical exertion with steady state cardio, then that means you have to go back and master the cardio aspect first. Now, the reason is that let's say you have a threshold, okay? You, you're trying to work up into your threshold. Every time you do cardio, you're hitting that threshold somewhere along the way, right? Or if you can get the full physical exertion, you don't have a threshold. If you don't have a threshold, that means you can do any type of exercise you want. If you have a threshold, that means you have to stick with sub-symptom threshold, whatever it is, you have to be below the symptom threshold, and you have to be doing steady state cardio. The reason you don't wanna be doing weights is because when you do weights, let's say this is your threshold, you're gonna spike above your threshold, which is going to promote symptoms, right? So the only time you get back into weightlifting is uh, if you've been able to master steady state cardio. Weightlifting is you do a set, heart rate goes way up and then comes back down. Heart rate goes way up, comes back down. That is harder for your nervous system to accommodate. Your nervous system is better at accommodating steady state exercise than it than it is with the fluctuations that you get. Okay, so if you want to get back into weightlifting, first make sure build yourself up on steady state cardio until you can achieve full physical exertion. Then you can get into weightlifting. Okay. Another question: What if I'm fine with cardio, but weights still? give me trouble. Okay. So let's say we have somebody who's, who's finished cardio. They're like, yeah, I can do cardio. No problem. But it's when I start lifting weights. So they don't have a threshold, but they're still having trouble with weights. Now it could be a couple things. One, it could be those fluctuations. Like I said, it's harder for your nervous system to deal with those fluctuations. It's harder for your cerebral blood vessels to deal with those fluctuations. Now you have a couple options. One, you just keep going and you challenge it. As you continue to do it, it will get better, right? You have to challenge your system to be able to adapt. Another option is you can lower the, the intensity and the weights that you're lifting so that you don't have as big of spikes. And you can start playing with the fluctuations there and gradually work yourself back up. The other option that could be going on is this could be completely unrelated to blood flow. This could be an issue with your neck. This could be an issue with your upper back. This could be an issue with your vestibular system. This could be an issue with your visual system, right? If you're doing things like, you know, deadlifts and, and, and snatches and overhead press and all sorts of things where you're changing your position, you're putting a lot of stress through your neck, through your other joints, that's making you feel dizzy. You think it's because of exercise, but it's actually because of something else. Okay. So if you're able to tolerate full cardio and you try to do weights and you're getting symptoms onset with weights, could be two things. One, it's the fluctuations. Pull back a bit, see how that goes. Build up from there. Secondly, could be something unrelated to blood flow. It could be neck dysfunction, visual and vestibular. So what do you do in that scenario? Find a good clinician, right? Go to completeconcussions.com, find a clinic and see somebody in your area. They can help you figure out what it is and they can treat it. If it's your neck, we can work with that right? It's not, you shouldn't put the weights down because it's maybe not an issue with the weights, even though the symptoms come on with that. It's actually you just triggering some other dysfunction that you don't know you have. Okay. Along the same lines of that question, here's another question. 
I'm fine with one type of exercise, but I can't do another type of exercise. So some people will say, I'm fine with swimming or I'm fine on the bike, but walking and running really kind of messes me up. All right. So you have to look at it in a few ways. One, if those activities are at different heart rates, well, it could just be that you're working harder when you're running than you are when you're swimming. Then it's a blood flow thing potentially. If it's like, it doesn't matter if I'm at 130 beats while swimming or 130 beats while running, my heart or my, my symptoms will be way worse with running than it will be with swimming. So then you have to think, well, maybe this isn't a blood flow issue. Maybe this is not an autonomic issue. Maybe this is something else. Maybe it's the impact of running on my visual system. Maybe it's the, um, maybe it's the jamming of my neck again. Okay. So if the heart rate is stable throughout all these different exercises, but one of them is bothering you and the other one isn't, you have to look at what else is going on in that exercise that may be the issue because it is likely to not be that issue. So again, what do you do? Find a trained clinician, try to see what else it could be, right? If it's your vision, you can do some rehab on that. If it's your vestibular, you can do some rehab on that. If it's your neck, you can do some rehab on that. Okay. If you ruled out kind of everything, don't be afraid of those symptoms, right? If you are running and you get dizzy, it could be visual motion. Guess what the treatment for that is? Exposing yourself to the stimulus, right? Same thing. If you get symptomatic by walking through grocery stores, guess what we tell you to do? Walk through grocery stores because over time you need to kind of habituate yourself to those that that situation right it takes time we don't want you just going in there going crazy with it you do it in a gradual and 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 um, proper way but that's the idea so don't necessarily be afraid of symptom onset try to figure out what could be causing it but ultimately that may be the more therapeutic option right that may be the one you want because it will challenge your symptoms or your systems and make it better. So one option is you could do the comfortable exercise three to four times per week and do the un uncomfortable one a few times per week. So you're mixing it in to try and gradually get better at doing it. Okay. Another one. Here's another common one. And then we'll all go to uh, questions on the live. Okay. Common question number, whatever we're on. I get symptoms immediately after I start doing exercise. I can't get my heart rate up at all. As soon as I do anything, I get up from the chair and I walk to the stairs and I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, Ooh, like headache, dizziness, heart racing, all that stuff. Right? So this is likely to be a dysautonomia. So let's go through and think about this on a spectrum. After concussion, we have sympathetic dominance. Our autonomic nervous system is like a teeter totter. Parasympathetic, sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic. When the parasympathetic is on, the sympathetic gradually turns off and vice versa. After concussion, we're more sympathetic, parasympathetic is less active. What can happen is, for the most part, as people recover, those tend to balance out. People who don't recover as well tend to continue the imbalance. And if you get really extreme on the imbalance, this is what's called a dysautonomia. You're so far out of whack that even minimal changes can cause issues. There's a condition called POTS, for example, where even just standing up jacks your heart rate up through the roof and you get all sorts of symptoms and people feel uncomfortable even just standing. This is a dysautonomia. This is the extreme end of what can happen after concussion. A lot of POTS patients uh, are, are the result of or happen shortly thereafter concussion. 
Okay. So if you have that issue where it's like, I can't even walk a flight of steps, then, you know, now you're, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be thinking along that line of there's a dysautonomia here going on. So what you want to start there then is working on stuff to increase your parasympathetic tone, right? Things called vagus nerve stimulation. Again, if you need more assistance on this, check out the concussion fix program, concussion doc, dot io we have a full protocol in there for getting even to the point of being able to initiate exercise and usually this starts with breathing exercises okay for example you could do something like a wim hof uh breathing exercise box breathing uh biofeedback has found that doing between four and a half and six and a half breaths per minute is the best for raising your parasympathetic tone cold contrast showers will balance the autonomic nervous system if you do it in the right way meditation laughter chanting uh, gargling with water there's all sorts of things that can stimulate the vagus nerve the the vagus nerve is the one that is your main parasympathetic nerve so you do things that activate the par the parasympathetic system by stimulating the vagus nerve by using parts of your body that that incorporate the vagus nerve and that can help to start balancing that autonomic nervous system, raise that parasympathetic up. Once you get a little bit closer to balance, you should be able to start being able to tolerate low levels of exercise. And then you build from there. This takes a while. This takes work. Okay. But you can do it. So that's it for the main points, the main uh, part of this uh, podcast episode. I'm going to switch over now to live Q&A from Instagram. I know there's been a whole bunch of chatter over here, so we'll go check it out. I'll just go to the top. I feel so good to watch these. Thank you for helping me recover. You are the best. Thank you. Glad I helped. Uh, yes, thank you. My issue is that after nine months, I still can't lift anything heavier than 10 pounds. Okay, here's perfect example. Okay, why can't you lift anything more than 10 pounds? Is it because of the lifting mechanics? Like when you bend over to lift, are you straining your neck, which causes headaches, right? Because a lot of these symptoms are not related to brain injury. They're related to other things, headaches, okay? Is it a vestibular issue? You bend over to pick something up and you pick it up and whoa, there I am. Is it a dysautonomia? Is your autonomic nervous system so out of balance that even doing minimal activity can affect you? So you have to do the work to figure that out, okay? It's, it's one of those things. There's nothing else it could be. It's one of those things that you have to figure out which one it is. And you kind of do that by tackling kind of all of them simultaneously, right? So work on potentially those, those issues, right? Find somebody that can, they can take a look at your neck, do your vestibular system, uh, put you on a treadmill. If that's, if that's the case, uh, look at that balance that you need in your autonomic nervous system. Okay. So and if you don't have access, like I said, I'm going to say it again, check out the concussion fix program. We have a people, we have people on here right now that we're already saying they're in the program. And I would recommend that because it walks you through all of this, all of this stuff to teach you how you can do this. Okay. Here's Nicole from the concussion fix. <laughs> As a personal trainer, this has been the hardest thing to overcome. I'm guessing you're talking about getting back into exercise. Uh, four weeks, that's where you are. So again, you know, hopefully what I've told you here is is helpful. Um, Two-year post-TBI, develop exercise intolerance and have a very physical job, quite the struggle. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Now, 
if you've developed exercise intolerance, that's basically everybody else. Chances are you've been told to rest and do nothing or you've been taking it easy because you've been afraid of provoking symptoms. So what you have to do is just start at square one. You have to figure out what's going on. Can I exercise? And if so, to what degree? And if I can exercise even minimally, that's my starting point. I do that for a week and then I build up and I build up. So you have a couple options. One, find a clinic, completeconcussions.com, find a clinic, get a treadmill test, go through the process. Option number two, if you don't have a clinic nearby, check out the concussion fix program and we can teach you how to work through it on your own to build that up. If you can't even exercise at all, at all, okay, now you have to wonder why. Is it vestibular, visual, neck? Is it autonomic? And if so, what can you do? Well, let's start balancing the autonomic nervous system. If you don't know how to do that, check out the concussion fix program. So again, it's all, it's all relatively the same thing. <laughs> um, do you find much of a difference in severity and recovery between women and men? That is a, um, it's kind of uh, becoming a more well-known phenomenon that women tend to take longer to recover than men, but also women are more susceptible to dysautonomia. Women are more likely to have like a POTS type of situation. So um, yes, there, there can be a difference in severity between men and women. Um, they're both affected. Um, there's a bunch of theories as to why that may be, uh, ranging from hormones to, um, you know, honesty to, um, um, uh, weaker neck versus head and, you know, more severe injury potentially because of that, that differential. So, so, um, I would say yes. Concussion fix. Dr. Marshall knows what he's talking about. I've been doing his concussion fix course. Literally has saved my life. I need to run. <laughs> Got to do yard work. Right on, Nicole. Um, okay. How do you get started with lifting? Right? Have so many tensions in my neck. Lifting anything has become very difficult, very debilitating. Treat the neck. Find a good chiropractor. Find a good physio. Okay. There you go. What if you have a naturally tachycardic heart rate? Uh, well... It depends. Is that when you say naturally tachycardic, is that a POTS? Do you qualify as POTS? Is your heart rate high even when you're lying down on your back? Or does it only is it only tachycardic when you stand up? If it's positional, then uh, then it's then it's classified as a POTS. And so you have to do things a little bit differently. There's a little bit more nuance to it. Generally, it requires you to start exercising in a supine position. It requires you to be you know monitored and tested for, for a bunch of different things, uh, increasing water and salt intake, uh, increasing the time you spend upright throughout the day. Uh, some even advocate for lifting the head of your bed so that even when you're sleeping, you're a bit upright. So um, you know, it just depends on, on what the situation is. If it's just naturally tachycardic, you have a high heart rate, then unless you have any contraindications to exercise, then basically you'd be following the same protocol. Eccentric. I'm an athlete, got a concussion, neck whiplash injury three years ago. PT improved my physical symptoms. I still have issues with depression, anxiety, which wrecks my sleep. Then are you seeing anybody for the depression and anxiety, right? You have to, if you know that to be already the issue, which is always the hardest step, most people won't even admit that. They're always uh, very focused on the physical and ignoring the mental. Um, and I think so, kudos to you for recognizing that. 
I think that the big thing is trying to do whatever you can to address the depression and anxiety. Now, depression, anxiety, as we learn more about it, seems to have a lot of overlap with inflammation. Your diet, the foods you eat, um, not getting sleep promotes inflammation, which then can increase depression and anxiety. So doing things for your mental health, exercise included, breathing exercises, uh, improving your diet, improving your your lifestyle and 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 seeing a therapist and if if necessary looking at potential pharmaceutical options for you um, I think the big thing is addressing the depression and anxiety if you can start to d address that your sleep gets better and all your other symptoms can start to go away I've had this with so many patients where they will fight the notion that depression has anything to do with it and then their doctor puts them on an antidepressant after months of fighting and guess what all their symptoms go away so there are patients like that so just be aware what if you have multiple concussions and an inflammatory autoimmune disease that causes systemic inflammation as well as inflammatory attacks in the body and brain i would recommend that you you find a good naturopathic doctor because a lot of autoimmune conditions are also um, rooted in in digestive and gut health and a lot of times you can do a lot by looking at repairing the gut and a lot of times it it may be um, some foods that you're eating which which can promote that and make you feel better so there are some dietary things that I would be looking at as kind of a first line of defense and a lot of people don't do that they tend to end up on pharmaceuticals and um, and without looking at kind of the bigger picture so I would recommend you find a really good naturopathic doctor or functional medicine doctor and just give them your whole story and see if they can put the pieces together right these are complicated issues um, but a lot of times mainstream medicine doesn't even go down the road of doing that right they just go Here's your symptom. Here's something that will make that symptom potentially feel better, but it will affect other parts of your body. Whereas functional medicine, naturopathic doctors, they tend to look at things from let's find the cause and work to fix it. And I think that's a way better approach in my opinion. Um, Taylor says, does your concussion doc only offer the physical activity fixers also include neurological fixes? It's the whole picture, right? Concussion recovery is autonomic blood flow, diet, um, uh, gut health, uh, mindset, mental health, physical, exercise, rehabilitation, concussion fix starts you in a progressive pattern to deal with all of those things. All right, so it starts at it starts from mindset and then it goes into balancing your autonomic nervous system, dealing with nervous system hyperarousal, people that have trouble with crowds and, and motion and things like that. And then the next part is repairing the gut, reducing cerebral inflammation, uh, hormones, how to balance hormones through, you know, various, you know, natural ways of doing it. Uh, what blood work to get done to look for different dysfunctions um, and then how to start exercising so those are kind of the pillars once you get to that point by implementing those things generally you're you know you're 90 percent better already and then the next part is is getting into rehab okay dealing with visual vestibular and neck dysfunctions and so it covers the whole spectrum can you still heal with multiple conditions it's been eight years yes you can sometimes it makes it harder but it is not impossible and i will never tell anybody it's impossible I mentioned the issue of lifting more than 10 pounds. I get vestibular issues and eye tracking issues all day with any movement. Additionally, when I try to lift, my brain shuts down with nausea, dizziness. 
It's not your brain shutting down. There's something else going on there. It's either your neck or your vestibular issues or anything else that's happening there. So again, you just have to get to the root of it. It's, um, it's one of those things. It's either your autonomic system, it's your neck, it's your visual vestibular uh, that's, that's resulting in the symptoms. So you just got to pick it apart, right? You just got to find someone to help you. Again, check out the concussion fix, take it step by step, um, or find a clinic, go to completeconcussions.com. What if you have really low blood pressure? It always takes over 20 minutes to get your heart rate up. Well, again, you, um, I, you know, I'd want to just look into that from, you know, let's say a cardiologist or something to try and figure out what's going on. You can also do things to increase your blood pressure if your blood pressure is low, water, salt intake. But I would, I would work with your doctor on that first. Um, are assault bikes, air bikes, row ergs a good option for cardio phase of return to play? Too demanding a form of cardio. No, not necessarily. What I do um, is if you're returning somebody to sport, like for a return to play, uh, it's best to like work the crap out of them. Okay. If they're still symptomatic, then you can, you start them slower, right? Like we put them on, uh, you know, we, we have a bike protocol or we put them on the treadmill. Once their symptoms are gone and they've been back to practice and they've done the return to sport protocol and you're looking to make a clearance decision, we work the crap out of them. We run them through a, a protocol called the Buffalo or the um, the Chicago Blackhawks test, and it's uh, basically it's designed to try and provoke symptoms. So, yeah, assault bikes, all that stuff. I think that's all good. I don't think it's too demanding at all. I would incorporate though. I wouldn't just do straight cardio like that. I would I would start fluctuating them. I'd go heart rate up, heart rate down, heart rate up, heart rate down, and then I'd get them doing all sorts of plyometric stuff, right? We get them doing burpees. We get them doing jumping and spinning rotations. We get them doing box jumps. We get them doing lateral um, uh, hurdle steps. We get them doing a whole bunch of different stuff to try and get them in a dynamic environment to try and see how they would respond to, you know, real demands of, of full game play. So I don't think it's too demanding at all. Getting dizzy when doing vestibular exercise mean I have a vestibular deficit that needs to be worked on? Likely. Okay, but it also could be your neck. It also could be your eyes. So it's not just vestibular, right? Your, vest your vestibular system, your balance system, your sensation of dizziness and where you are in space is your vestibular system, which is in your ears, your eyes, and the muscles and joints of your neck and upper back. So it, just because you're dizzy doesn't mean it's just the vestibular. It could be the neck. It could be the eyes. So you have to look and find somebody that looks at all those systems, right? A lot of people will go to just a vestibular PT. They tend to focus here. They're not really good with here and they're not really good with here. So you're going to miss it, right? And actually some of the evidence shows that people with post-concussion dizziness and they go to vestibular therapy, vestibular therapy will only... Sorry about that. Somebody called me. Don't call me in my podcast. Vestibular therapy for those with post-concussion dizziness will only be effective between 25 and 50% of the time, which means between 50 and 75% of the time, vestibular therapy will not help you even if you have dizziness following concussion. Let that one sink in, okay? Because it's usually neck or eyes that people are missing. So you need to go to somebody who's concussion trained because they'll look at all the systems together as one. And that's how you have to do it. Would heart rate variability be a good determining factor for return to the normative? Possibly, yes, but you have to kind of have some idea of where they were to begin with. People are always different. Um, it's it's harder than you think to, to do that. Um, could be unrelated to concussion, maybe congenital ventricular tachycardia. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think you, you gotta, I mean, take it case by case. Um, call me again. Stop calling me. Um, do, 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 do. You, if you've been told you don't have a bleed, you don't have one. So this person says, sorry, I don't know if you'll see this out of order, but to add to my issue with lifting and dizziness, my brain seems to actually shut down. Your brain does not actually shut down. <laughs> um, it's There's something else going on, whether it's you know psychological, you know an anxiety response or whatever, it's hard to say. But then, you, then she says, um, I almost like a bleed, although I've been told I do not have one. If you've been told you do not have one, it means you do not have one. So you can let that idea go. Um, Um, how soon would you recommend starting breathing exercise post-concussion? Can a patient still present as symptomatic? I do. I can give them breathing exercises as early as day one. Yeah. I'm in the concussion fix program. Just starting it. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, this can be fixed. Okay. So you're in the concussion fix program. Start working your way through that. Start showing up for our live sessions every week. And you'll notice a big difference. All right, guys, I'm starting to lose my connection here for some reason. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off right now. Um, but I see there's other questions here. If I didn't get your questions, feel free to DM me. Um, and that is it for this episode of The Concussion Fix. Next week, what am I doing next week? Let me just check out my schedule here. Next week, I am, I'm actually not doing a live session next week, but I'm interviewing Dr. Shirley Blanc, who is a neurooptometrist, and we're gonna be talking about vision and concussion and post-trauma vision syndrome and all the things that a neurooptometrist may be able to help you with. So that's it for me. Thanks guys for coming, and we'll see you well, not live next week, but on the podcast next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.